Welcome to the Swatch of Horrors podcast. This is a show about beauty horror stories told by beauty professionals. Me and my guests call out the beauty industry for their issues, as well as bad client behavior, among other things that can go completely wrong while working in the beauty industry. I'm your host, Memes. I'm a former makeup artist. I used to beat faces all the time. Oh, that's really, like, do people still say that? Beat a face? Sounds so violent. I used to be a makeup artist. I'm not anymore, and that's okay because I work in a completely different industry. If you like this podcast, if you've enjoyed it, if it makes you laugh, if you really like the content, or you just like hearing my voice for some reason playing in the background while you're pretending to be engaged in your Zoom meetings... Go ahead and give the podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, follow wherever you like to listen to your shows. That really helps the podcast grow. And if you really want to help me out, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it on Instagram and mention at Swatch of Horrors. The podcast is also on Twitter, but if you are over social media and it's totally consuming you and making you super depressed and anxious and you just hate everything online right now, go ahead and just email me at swatchofhorrors at gmail.com and we can talk there. I'd love to hear your horror stories if you are a beauty professional and maybe you can be a guest on this show. Thanks for listening and let's get on with the show. Swatch of Horrors. I'm looking for a new or pink or red I hate my voice too. It's like, um, like <laughs> I'm terrified to listen. Oh, really? That's so. Funny. Afterwards, yeah. Uh, I feel like I have like a, a prepubescent boy's like uh, voice that crackles all the time. And like, um, <laughs> no, I was just thinking how you had like a really like solid podcasting voice that you like sound like a relatable oh, person. And it's all fake. It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually relatable at all. No, you are. But um, no, it's all post-production. I feel like it just makes my voice sound better and the microphone helps too. And um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm trying to get into that whole um, sound more natural and like myself instead of my interview voice. Like, hi, I'm I'm here to interview for this job. And right. It's, yeah, I'm so uncomfortable. But today I have a special guest with me. Well, they're all special, but... So today I have with me a celebrity makeup artist who has over 15 years of beauty makeup industry experience, and he is internationally published, and he has also worked with Christian Siriano and Pamela Rowland, and his work is amazing. Your makeup is like high fashion editorial, like I don't even know what to call it, it's just glamour, like it's just so pretty. 
So. You are so sweet. Thanks. I'm a, yeah, I'm a huge deal. I keep telling everybody. <laughs> Austin Mark. That's me. That's you. Do you, do you have like a catchphrase with your last name or anything? Like, I'm going to leave my mark uh, on you. No, I should probably come up. I feel like I should come up with something clever. Like the puns should be writing themselves, <laughs> but they're not. <laughs> sometimes I feel like puns are so annoying, but then sometimes I kind of really secretly like them. It seems like it, it, it's super marketable, and I, I should be capitalizing on that, and I just haven't been. <laughs> just money, just wasting away money that's not coming into your pocket. Exactly. Yeah, what have, what have you been up to? We have crossed paths in the past. We have. At some point or another in our makeup careers. Yeah, so I've been working consistently in the industry, in-store and on set for 15 years, um, up until fairly recently, um, I was, I had a kind of a big boy gig. It was like my first national position where I was traveling and training and meeting people, um, for a kind of a big old school makeup company that I won't name, but then COVID hit and I got laid off. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so right now not doing a ton, um, industry related, but yeah, it's been it's been a wild six months. I was working in a major city mm -hmm. uh, that was great for the industry, and then uh, got laid off and sort of reassessed a lot of things, and ended up moving to Utah, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's a huge transition, definitely like from the perspective of my career, but also just like my whole life. But I'm super super happy about it. It's been really cool. It's totally different and kind of amazing. I'm super happy about the move. Oh, that sounds like a kind of like an unexpected surprise that just yeah. worked out. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, very unexpected. Even in, in like my life, the idea of not living where I was living hadn't even occurred to me. And it was sort of like this lightning bolt moment of like, oh, let's, I don't have to stay here. Like there's nothing holding me here at this moment. So let's try something different. Congratulations on all of that, especially like coming out of a layoff. Like I know that's been tough for a lot of people, especially in the industry. Like my heart goes out to you and everybody in that situation. Now that you've moved, what's that look like in terms of gigs and stuff like that for you, your next step? It's so hard to know. And I hate to be like, I know everyone is so affected by this, obviously, but mm -hmm. I, I'm like, especially me, um, I, things were really picking up momentum. I've been really pleased with my career overall and I've done a lot of cool stuff and I've been super lucky but this past year right before COVID I started collaborating with a business partner of mine who I had reconnected with and we were like let's join forces and start this company and had this sort of amazing idea that like right as we came up with it all of these opportunities lined up and we were about to like really launch this makeup related uh, company mm -hmm. and uh, then everything just sort of fell apart. So uh, now that I'm here, it's obviously very, very different in terms of I don't have access to the types of big jobs that I did before. And just from like a personal safety standpoint, like I'm not trying to get out there and work in people's faces, yeah, yeah. you know, nearly as much or in the same way. So Luckily, I've been able to keep myself super busy. Like we bought a house when we moved here. So I've had tons of nice. projects. But like in terms of my career, it's going to be a big pivot. Like 
I'm going to have to sort of rebrand what I'm doing. In our in our new house, I built uh, an in-home makeup studio. Oh. So there is a room of the house that is dedicated to makeup. When I can start doing that again. Your boudoir? Yeah, (laughs) we uh, sort of. It was one of the bedrooms um, that I claimed as an office. And then a couple of weeks in, I was like, I don't need an office. I don't do anything um, (laughs) like (laughs) that requires an office. So I... I sort of converted that space and I brought out like all of my cool makeup mirrors and my makeup chair and sort of displayed everything in a really fun way. Um, So that like when I can do makeup um, and I I can do makeup, I think um, once I get the rest of the house together, Mm -hmm. uh, I will do some kind of local advertising and let people know like I'm here and, you know, hopefully start doing some of in-home services. Nice. um, it's a mixed bag out here. There are people who are extra cautious and there are people who are not nearly cautious enough. Yeah. But, you know, there are people who still require services. And I do some hair styling. I don't like to sell myself as a <laughs> oh, wow, hair person. But, uh, I, yeah, I do some hair. I did um, I did hair and makeup for an online store with a very large following. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned, I learned how to do hair there and I'm super grateful for that experience. Although the job itself was kind of a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been doing hair in, in an unofficial capacity for a long time. And, uh, and I did hair in an official capacity to a limited extent, but yeah, I don't like, I, I don't do like wedding hair, but I, I style. Okay. Um, so Hopefully I can also incorporate that because it's also like, I feel like working with the back of people's heads is a little bit safer. (laughs) Yeah. I've also seen some like artists on set, like they'll have like a face shield now with the mask. And um, I think in my last episode, I think the artist mentioned that like you have, I think for one of the gigs she was going to do, they had to, she had to do like a COVID test right before she had to get on set. So it's like, it's, it's definitely going to be different for sure. Absolutely. I'm glad to hear that you're going to be taking like all the precautions and whatnot. I saw something online. It was like a seminar in person and it was like a huge makeup class. I'm like, what are you doing? And then there was like no masks anywhere in the pictures and everyone was like, let's all gather and take really close pictures. And Oh, wow. Like a master class? Yeah. And people were attending and it was like awful. It was like a nightmare to me. Like seeing this. And that, I mean, it like it hurts my heart so much because master classes are something that I've done for a decade. And I, that's one of my very, very favorite things to do oh. to be able to like connect with a large group of people in that way and sort of share my experience and expertise. And like, I love doing that and I love the energy of a room, but like, no, absolutely not. I would not be <laughs> like in a room with 40 people, particularly unmasked. Like, I'm glad to hear in that. A, in a confined space. Yeah, no, it's, there's no way. But yeah, face shields are going to be like my, like, mode of protection for work, probably. I mean, depending on what the situation is, but I feel like, like working in person, mm-hmm. face shield is where I'm going to be at. Hazmat suit. Yeah. And very, luckily, right at the end of my last job, I got hooked up with a very nice uh, care package of makeup sanitizing stuff from from another brand that I guess I won't mention, but uh, who's known for makeup sanitizing products. uh, They gave me like their whole press kit. So I, uh, I am glad that I can keep everything super sanitized. I want stuff one day. (laughs) (laughs) 
I do PR. I do miss the stuff coming in. <laughs> that was a huge perk of my last job. I know. And all my makeup jobs. I Jeez. feel like I've gotten so lucky when people are just starting out in the industry and they're like, how do you build your kit? I'm like, I don't know, work for 15 years and people will just give you free <laughs> stuff all the time. That's oh, how I did it. <laughs> and then it's like everyone gets makeup for Christmas. Yeah. Go. Oh, or for sure. Um, celebrate, you know, <laughs> holidays, yeah, I, uh, birthdays. When I moved out, I got, I moved an entire closet full of makeup. Oh like not like a, not like a broom closet, like a full clothing <laughs> closet full of makeup floor to ceiling oh was gosh. one of the things that I had to find out, like the logistics of moving out here. So uh, now it has an entire room for it to breathe in, but nice. yeah, I have an obscene amount of stuff, uh, 15 years in the industry gets you like kind of a crazy collection that you have to constantly be yeah. rotating out and get rid of, getting rid of stuff. Cause I'm like, I've got lipsticks that are way too old to use on people. And they got that funky smell. And it's like, hmm. mm-hmm. like band-aids. <laughs> that that's the perfect actual description. I, that's perfect. You hit the nail on yes. that. I didn't even realize that. Some brands more than others, one that I can think of specifically, but that definitely give off a very band-aid-y smell. Oh my god, yeah. I was, um, I think I opened up a, a liquid lipstick today and it was like, it was like glue. And I'm like, yeah, I think this is done. I didn't smell That's it not though. not the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, glad you're settling in and kind of like planning your next move and, you know, I... Oh, um, I why did I take a deep breath? I didn't even eat that much. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I just ate a little bit. I'm like breathing like I ate like the whole. <laughs> uh, um, like post Thanksgiving day full. Oh yeah, I'm gonna miss that. No, I think it's because I'm sitting like in my closet, like hunched over on the floor. I don't even have a chair in here. I recorded I'm my also closet. in my closet. Oh, is this uh, <laughs> suggesting of anything? <laughs> No. People will say I'm like in the closet. For the first time in a very long time. <laughs> okay, we don't want to put anybody in closets. I don't <laughs> want to be here. <laughs> but um, did you see that thing? Um, it was trending. What was it? One of um, Trump's sons. He was like, I'm part of the LGBT community. Yeah, like in what capacity? <laughs> and also, we don't want you. <laughs> and people were like, did he just come out on national TV? Good for him, but. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, you know you don't get you don't get to. Yeah, no, not welcome to the club. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, you have some beauty horror stories to share with us today because this is I a do. podcast all about beauty horror stories, and this is your soapbox to tell me all about your horror stories and what we can learn from them. So. <laughs> The first one that you wanted to talk about talks about some mean girls. You want to get into that one? Yes. I started out in the industry working retail for department stores and did for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just feel like this is something that's been so prevalent in tons of department stores that I worked in. Tell me about it. And it's this thing of these cliques of department managers who... You get like one department manager who's like a 24-year-old girl and then somehow her real good friend ends up being her assistant manager <laughs> and then the second and third 
department assistants end up being like other girls that they worked with who they're friends with. So you have this like cloud of girls who are like unfriendly and inexperienced in management and don't know what they're doing. And then when conflicts arise, like there's just, they're not equipped in any way to deal with it. And so I just, I can't tell you how many times I've had like legit conflicts with management that didn't get resolved in any way because of these mean girl managers. Do you have like a particular incident that you remember? I'd been in the industry for probably three years and I was working at a major department store in a major city mm-hmm. and I got in trouble for <laughs> was I was, this school? <laughs> can you can you believe it um, I was always getting in trouble for something it was literally like school like I would get written up for like being too chatty um, <laughs> which is just another issue that I have but whatever that's a whole other story but I think this time I got written up for wearing makeup which was <laughs> At the time, like now it's definitely not as much of a thing. And I think there's been a big shift in the industry concerning men wearing makeup. Wait, so you were a makeup artist and you got in trouble yes. for wearing makeup. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> in the beginning, it was very like, to be fair, <laughs> I think maybe the makeup that I was wearing was not exactly on brand brand for this very like classic beauty makeup brand Describe that I worked for at the time. It, it was... <laughs> I had like a, a love affair with teal eyeshadow that lasted. It I lasted past tense as though I stopped loving teal eyeshadow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wore teal eyeshadow like a lot. Okay. Um, and I also felt like in the beginning of my career that the makeup that I wore legitimized me as an artist. Like look at the beauty of beautiful things that I can create I with see. makeup. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that way anymore. And I almost never wear makeup anymore like it's a very 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 rare thing I'm also not as cute as I was when I was 23 oh I'm sure you still are um but at the time I was you know I loved like a blue smoky eye Mm -hmm. um and I still do but I think I got written up for wearing that makeup (laughs) probably after I had been told not to but while they may have been in the right for being upset with me for not listening, uh, I went to the department manager for this write-up situation and like her attitude was just out of control. Like she was being like hurtful and rude. And at one point she said something that just fully set me off. And I was like, we're done here. We need to go finish this conversation in human resources because you've officially crossed a line. Oh my gosh. And I think at that point, I was very much in the right. Whatever she had said was not okay. So we like march upstairs to human resources and the human resource people come out and they're like, "Um, we're having a pizza party, so we can't actually deal with you right now. Was this third grade? Are you sure this was at a department store? They were literally having some sort of celebration that like they refused to be interrupted by us. I was basically just told at that point, like, well, a conversation with human resources isn't an option. So plan B is that we're going to have this conversation mediated by the assistant department manager of the same department. So, like, if you have a problem with me, then my best friend oh, is going gosh. to take over for us. So <laughs> I don't know why I agreed to it instead of just being like, well, I'll wait for this pizza party to end. <laughs> but I was like, all right, well, let's sit down with this other chick. And we did. And she was 
she mediated the conversation and it was just like very clear that both of them now were like no one is on your side here and we're writing things down but nothing's gonna happen yeah it sounds like and just so toxic. it was super super toxic and it ended up it ended up leading to me leaving that job at that time and i was I was very successful in the role that I was working at that time for being new in the industry. Like my sales numbers were incredible and I was, you know, sort of making a mark at least in my career through my performance at that store. Mm -hmm. And I just got so uncomfortable and it got so like the tension every day of going into work that like I ended up putting it in my two weeks notice after working there for a couple of years. And I came into work the next day and the same assistant department manager who had taken over that meeting, like she said something nasty right when I walked in the door. Oh. And like, I literally broke out into like full body hives. Oh. Like I was so stressed out, anxious and angry about everything that I had been putting up with because, and I don't know. I guess I was also very young and I probably felt like my performance warranted some sort of like leniency on their part. Mm -hmm. um, and that didn't happen. <laughs> um, it just felt like they were digging in more and more and that it was becoming more and more personal. And so like I broke out into hives and was like, I just can't work here anymore. Like I literally have to quit today because I can't. I can't stay here anymore. Like my mental health is suffering. So I ended up leaving that job. Luckily, <laughs> finding some better things along the way. And that was actually, I think when I left that job was the beginning of my freelance career when I started working for myself and working for other brands in a freelance capacity, which really opened up doors for me that weren't before. And ultimately, I'm super grateful for the trajectory that that put me on because I ended up in a much better place yeah. and frankly, in a better place than most of those managers are in now, <laughs> NBD. Yeah. <laughs> so... No regrets. A lot of like that clicky clickiness in management and within like coworkers that can be a total thing in the cosmetics industry. And it's just like it is mean girl culture. It's awful. Like I'm not oh, saying yeah, everywhere. Absolutely. There's definitely some bad apples, but some good ones. But I totally can I understand that and I've seen it. But also, I like the thing that you mentioned about like how you were performing very well in your job, but you were still getting, they were still like not treating you right. And I've actually come across an article and I don't remember like who published it, but it said something about employees who like top performer, top performers tend to get like the bad end of the stick sometimes from management. And it's just like oh, this absolutely. weird thing. Like I've seen I it think, happen too. Oh yeah. I mean, and in that role, I, when I was performing really well, I, there were accolades that went with that and I got, you know, sales awards and whatever. And I was top 10 when they would read out sales in the morning or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, but then if I had an event where I didn't have a double digit increase, or if I didn't like blow it out of the water with something, then there was this like well, I guess you're not the rock star that we thought you were. Like, <laughs> when, is an actual quote that I was given to me and heard said to other people all the time. Like, yeah. Eh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, we sell makeup. <laughs> While others who are, like, always underperforming, like, it's no big deal because they always underperform. <laughs> right. So, on to your next horror story. Your customers who seem to be very fond of you. <laughs> Yes. 
stalkers. Um, <laughs> Which isn't a laughing matter, but it, the way you said no, it was funny. Um, actual stalkers are a problem. Um, and I mean, in this situation, I, I have had multiple clients over the years who became like fond of me in a way that didn't feel super comfortable. <laughs> um, but I did have a, a customer at that same store at, in the same time period, mm-hmm. actually. Um, a customer who definitely made me feel uncomfortable about like how excited she was to see me and the regularity with which she had decided to see me. Um, like what was she, so, what was she like when she would come in or. So the first time that I met her, she had come to the counter looking for a product that was discontinued and I either found like the last one in existence at another store and had it shipped to her, or I think maybe even I found the tester of it in the stock room and just gave it to her. <laughs> and um, which is something that if you are very nice to people in department stores, sometimes they'll just give you things from the stock room. <laughs> You're nice. Or at least I did. Um, but I had, I helped her out and found the thing she was looking for, mm-hmm. which was like, I didn't feel like I was like really going above and beyond. It was like, oh, well, I have the tester right here. So if you want it, whatever. (laughs) Um, But she was so overwhelmed and like overjoyed with how I had just gone to the greatest length to take care of her. And, and, and it felt great at the time, how happy she was. I'm thrilled to make a customer happy anytime. Um, And, you know, at first it was great. She was really happy. Um, and she worked in the area, so she would come by a little bit more often. She would come a few times a week, and, like, if she would just come by to say hello, and sometimes she did buy things, and the department store that I worked at was pretty bougie, and the line that I worked for was very bougie, mm-hmm. and so, and she didn't have, like, a ton of money, so it's not like she was dropping, like, mad cash every week, but she would occasionally buy, you know, one or two things from me, or if I was having an event, she would do a pre-sell, which was super appreciated, Um, but then it was like, she started to come see me every day on her lunch break and it was literally like a daily occurrence. And if I was working with somebody else, she would still just sort of wait around for me to finish. And it got more and more of like a distraction and more and more of just this feeling of, you seem to be expecting more and more of my time. And like at one point she even uh, took me out to lunch, which was nice and I appreciated it, but then it ended up being like very fancy. Like she took me to some steakhouse oh. that was extra lavish. And like So not not the was, food court. <laughs> no, like I mean, I was like twenty when I worked there. Okay. Um, and so like it was it was really nice, but it just it was a lot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And yeah, it, it eventually did get to a place that was super uncomfortable and she started to make comments that were like sort of crossing the line. Um, Do you think she was trying to date you or she just wanted a friend? Like, I think it got to a place where she maybe had like a little bit of a crush on me and it wasn't like, I mean, she was probably in her 60s. I was 20, like obviously gay. That like wasn't a secret. <laughs> um, but I think she did sort of have a crush and made some some comments mm-hmm. along the lines of like her thinking I was cute or whatever. 
and then it just it it got very weird um and then the weirdest thing i think towards the end um was that on the day that i wasn't working she came in and was talking to i think my counter manager at the time or one of my coworkers who worked in the same bay with me mm-hmm. And she said that she was going to bring in her ferrets uh, and introduce them to me. Oh my God. Um, she, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, she had mentioned them before. I knew she had like something crazy, like seven <laughs> ferrets. Um, and she was going to bring them in in like a baby stroller oh no. and introduce them to me. <laughs> And thankfully, she never done. did. But I just remember hearing about it afterwards. My coworker being like, "So and so said she's gonna bring in her ferrets to introduce <laughs> you to them." I was like, "If this bitch brings in seven rodents in a baby carriage, I will lose my whole mind." <laughs> and luckily, she never did that. And then I ended up quitting that job after I'd put in my short notice, and I did or my two weeks notice. And I left before the two weeks were up. And I think she, I don't think I ever talked to her after I worked at the store, but I, I heard from coworkers that she felt definitely some kind of way about how I had left oh my God. like unannounced. And I think she felt like I abandoned her, which <laughs> wow, like it was a lot. How do you even deal with someone like that? Like, especially if they're becoming a distraction, like what would you do? Yeah. And that was the thing. I mean, it was, she was always so friendly and I felt like guilty for not wanting to you know give her more of my time and energy but it wasn't contributing to my numbers you know and at jobs like that you're you're judged on your sales on a literal daily basis of like if you didn't make your numbers yesterday then what kind of rock star are you and if I have to spend 45 minutes of a seven hour shift like chit-chatting it up with whoever yeah. Like it's definitely it wasn't not. helpful and there was no way for me to tell her, like, you really can't come this often. Um, because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. She was really like a lovely person. It just it it definitely got weird. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> well, I don't know what's worse. I don't know if that well, I think that probably is worse. It reminds <laughs> me of a client that um I had. She would come in and I got stuck with her one time because the person she would visit all the time to get her makeup done was unavailable. Then once I got I got her one day and she would just always come to see me to get her makeup done and, you know, would do the whole, like, maybe she'd buy something, maybe she wouldn't, maybe she'd return it mm-hmm. all. But she, like, this is kind of like a side note, um, she, would tell, she would tell me, and I don't know if this is true, she was getting her makeup done to get into these high high like publicity events like uh the grammys the inauguration like and she would sneak in or do something oh. like outlandish like that and i don't know if she was telling the truth or what but <laughs> it, i wouldn't put it past her that she somehow found a way to get into these events so, you know i will tell you having been to a lot of like press events <laughs> Like you show up early enough and you look the part enough and people just do not ask you questions. Like you wear all black and like have a makeup chair with you and like you can just walk into <laughs> a whole bunch of scenarios. So yeah, I <clears throat> that sounds intense though. Like the ferrets, like oh they that's Yeah, and, and I'm I'm not here. a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the the state that I was working in at the time, they were not illegal. Um, but they <laughs> Uh, 
I, I've never been a fan. Uh, there's a smell. Uh, <laughs> teeth are very small. The Don't eyes are very red. It's like uh, it's like a hamster and a slinky had a baby. I really, <laughs> I'm not a fan. Like, do you like any animals? Yeah, I, I like. I say I'm a dog person. Um, I have dogs, but I, I I also have like no maternal instinct. So like I own dogs, but I don't know that I they love me like like they love my husband. We just sort of they're like roommates that are animals. Um, but I'm also like very withholding. So, so I think that's my own fault. I could probably get them to love me if I would give them treats. But You'd probably be a bad ferret dad then. Probably. Um, I went through a drive-through the other day. There's a really weird thing in Utah um, because of the large Mormon population here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mormons don't drink coffee or tea, but they oh, right. are—they're really like all about a luxury beverage situation. Mm-hmm. But they won't go to Starbucks, so they have drive-throughs here that are just for soda. Um, oh, really? <laughs> so yeah, so you drive through to get your like Diet Coke with fresh limes or whatever. And uh, they're all over the place. And I went through with my dogs the other day because we were, I was going somewhere and I brought them with, which is rare. And uh, the guy at the window was like, oh, do you want dog bones? And I was like, no, they don't deserve them. <laughs> which, uh, I don't know, says a lot about me. I, I have to dig deeper. That. Afterwards, I was like, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> they didn't do anything wrong. But I never give them treats. I guess my husband gives them treats daily, and I'm like, "Nah." You're like the I, the stricter parent don't. who doesn't spoil ter- their children. <laughs> I guess. So, so um, on to your next one. You said customers who are irate because they can't get something for free, which Ugh. nobody should be getting free things anyway. Right? Like nothing's free. <laughs> I feel like the industry has really just has really created a monster of itself with free sample programs and like I can't tell you how many blogs I've read where people are like did you know you can go to Sephora and get five free samples of fragrances like do you know that the person at Sephora who has to fill those five free fragrance samples for you hates you so much like because their fingers are now stained with J'adore or whatever number five for the rest of their lives, like it's never fragrances that you wanted to smell anyway. Oh no! But like the idea of like the the free sample situation is just out of control. Um, and when people can't get things for free, like the reaction that it causes is just unbelievable. Like the sense of entitlement of people because of this <laughs> this culture of getting things for free or free gifts or whatever. Um, I mean, that's like the ultimate like. When you work in the cosmetics department, people, every purchase that somebody makes, like they expect something for free. Um, is there a free gift today? Like, and I don't think that people know that like there are gift lines and non-gift lines. Yeah. Like, like if you go to like a, you know, Clinique or Lauder or bleep it out, whatever. Yeah. They're always <laughs> um, going to have a gift. They have gifts multiple times a year. Mm-hmm. So like if you wait six weeks, you can have a gift from a line that gives gifts, but not everybody does. Yeah. Um, and the sense of entitlement and the outrage caused by people not getting things for free is, is really <laughs> over the top. Do you have a specific um, example that you can remember? Yeah, the first time I encountered this was at my very first job in makeup. And I, did, I didn't start working in cosmetics until 
I want to say I was 19 um, oh, wow, and I just young. sort of fell into it. Um, I was doing something very, very different and had done a million other very different jobs. I didn't know a lot about it when I got into it. I don't even think I'd been on the job very long. And the line that I worked for put out an ad in a magazine offering this free product if you came in and mentioned the thing in the magazine or if you brought in the coupon or whatever. Coupons and, and makeup counters. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and of course, like I didn't work. My first job was at like a mall in the burbs and it wasn't like a humongous mall. So, of course, when we got our allocation of the free thing we were giving away, it was like we got like six. <laughs> and it wasn't a counter that did a ton of business. Yeah. But, of course, when like XYZ Magazine puts out a thing that says you can get a thing for free, then uh, people are going to come like in droves. <laughs> and so like, day one, we got rid of everything that we had that was for free. And then... This woman came in and she was like, uh, there's uh, an ad in this magazine that says that I can get a free item. And I don't even think that the, I don't think it said what the free thing was. Okay. It's like a Happy Meal. Like, actually, yeah, I do you know just, what Happy Meal You get a toy. Yeah. I don't know. So <laughs> she, she brought it in and I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. We don't have any more of those. And she was like, excuse me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we, we just don't have any more of that thing anymore. Mm -hmm. She was like, that can't be because this is the May issue of this magazine and it's only April. And I was like, um, well, like cars come out a year before <laughs> their model year and magazines come out a month before their issue date. So everyone else also has that issue. Uh, so we don't have that. And she was like the audacity. She was she was like full care and like I need to talk to your manager. <laughs> Why? So my manager can recreate so can, the gift. Can confirm what I said. Um, <laughs> Let me just and ultimately, <laughs> the best part was that ultimately, I was like, well, if you would like to see what the item was, in case you'd still like to purchase it, um, it's this red lip liner. She was like, well, I don't wear red lipstick. <laughs> well. <laughs> Then uh, you don't want I the guess, free thing. Then I guess it doesn't matter that we don't have it. But of course it have matters because it was great free. Life. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, people <laughs> People want as much of a free thing that they will never use as they can possibly get their hands on. You know, I hate when people ask, like, oh, is this a free makeover? Like, <laughs> no. Like, technically. Uh, but like, nothing's free in life. It's such a weird thing of, like... The store doesn't want you to give free makeovers, but they don't want you to tell people that you don't give free makeovers because that's rude. And like you're caught in the middle of like, well, it's complimentary and that's all I can say. And you're supposed to know that that means that it complements your purchase, but I'm not allowed to say that it complements your purchase or like I can actually get in trouble. <laughs> it was so hard. It's like they want us to do all this makeup, but then make your sales goals, but then uh you know <laughs> it's created a culture also of people expecting free makeovers and all of these makeup events that stores hold where people where we say like come get your makeup done like yes there's a gift with purchase but you, if you don't make the purchase you don't get the gift but you did get your makeup done for free and like no one's stopping you from doing that <laughs> and so it's just wild like in the 15 years that I've been doing this the change of the expectation from like 
when you go to the mall because you have an event and you get your makeup done and probably you buy something, but sometimes people don't, to now, like, just anyone is like, oh, well, if I go to any place that sells makeup, I can get, like, a full glam beat, like, everything but lashes. And sometimes they're like, do the lashes cost money? <laughs> like, yeah, they do. Um, and I think just because of the industry catering to this for so long that it's created more and more people who are like, yeah, you go to the store to get a free makeover. If you want a free makeover, like where else in the world does that exist? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Can I try out this gel manicure? If I really like it, I'll come back and pay for one. <laughs> can I try the steak at this restaurant? And <laughs> Right. <laughs> Which I, I'm sure everything is so different now. It's like now, these people who take advantage probably can't do that anymore because of the pandemic. So, yeah, I mean, and I actually, I have not worked in a store since like the shutdown of the city that I lived in at the time. Yeah. Um, but my friends who are still working in retail, they are like, it's such a huge shift for them because you cannot touch people anymore. Yeah. Which in some way, you know, that that's the whole industry like yeah <laughs> I, I guess you can like direct people to try things on themselves or you can like sanitize things and then step away so that they can try them on themselves but it really is uh it is dramatically affecting the jobs of people who did this for a living and in like for so much of my career i was freelancing for brands in the capacity of like you go in and you do people's makeup and sell as much as you can but you don't work at the store so there's no like guaranteed hours or any of that yeah it was and like as needed so yeah it really has affected the number of jobs which is also Sucks. a scary prospect for me thinking about like if i wanted to go back to retail um and i was towards the end like i did have this retail end job but also i've been doing outside stuff for so long like print and runway and event makeup that wasn't related to the retail side but when i think about like i need to go get a job to bring in money i think like well i could go work like at a store um it's not something that i'm looking forward to mm -hmm. or but i i don't know it's a it's a hard prospect now because i'm like i don't know what the jobs are to go back to exactly it seems like, you know, in your case, it almost sounds like where the demand is going to be is going to be private, like just private right. events, which even then is kind of like, I guess, scary, depending on who you ask, because you don't know how big the event is. And then um, also yeah. maybe um, print and uh, commercials, I think, and mm -hmm. movies and all that stuff, I think, is slowly starting to pick up. So probably not so much retail. There's still going to be jobs in production. There's always jobs in production. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of production here. So yeah. that's different. But like events and things will still happen. And that's still that is going to be part of the industry. But I'm also hearing from friends, um, my my business partner for the the business that we were planning on starting. Mm -hmm. She had a huge wedding business really really successful even you know when we met and we're sort of merging yeah we were uh she had this very successful business in doing weddings and when she slowly started to go back to work she 
we talked about like how she was going to tell people that things are different than they used to be and how you sort of prepare people for getting your makeup done for an event by someone who is compliant to the rules of the industry now. Because yeah. um, I think when we when people hire you on a freelance basis to do makeup for their wedding, like, you know, I've done people's makeup while they sit on their bathroom counter. I've done people's makeup outside. I've done, you know, the situation is always different and it you sort of adapt to what the situation is going to be. But in order to be compliant with the rules, my business partner started sending out these emails saying, all right, we're ready for your big day. Here's how it's going to go. Only people who are getting their makeup done can be in the room while we're doing makeup and everyone needs to wear masks and you have to wear a mask while I do your eyes. And then when I do your foundation and lips, you can take it off, but you can't open your mouth. Mm -hmm. And so we, we had to find a way to kind of soften that and like she and I both do airbrush makeup and okay. your mouth has to be closed for airbrush anyway. So that is sort that sort of helps. Um, but she was having brides who had her, who had booked her eight months out saying, nah, I don't want to do that. Like, <laughs> that's not how I want my wedding to be. So like, so you're fired or whatever. So stupid. Yeah. It, it just came to a place that was really, and then we had to find, you know, trying to hold on to this business because she is a 100% freelance artist. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have another job. She has a life and she has to pay for, you know, yeah. her bills and like her family. And so trying to keep those clients and trying to soften those things and say like, well, if you can provide me with a private space where it's just one-on-one, -on -one, you know, you know, people come in and get their makeup done and then they leave, then it doesn't matter who's in the room and you don't have to wear masks when you're together. You just have to wear one when you're with me. And sometimes that works. And sometimes people are like, nope. Yeah. Like, I notice anytime, um, especially with like in writing or even just talking to people, if you say like, you can't do this or um, mm -hmm. do not do this, it, it always is usually always and usually doesn't make sense. Uh, <laughs> if you say no or you cannot or do not, people usually want to do the opposite or they feel like on the defensive. But if you say it in a positive way, like I can only do your makeup if all yeah. of you wear masks so like if i don't know if that helps anybody but yeah, it's tricky you gotta like you know figure out the psychology yeah. of what's going to make people feel better about a situation that's not ideal but also at the same time like if you're if you were getting your hair done for your wedding at a salon and your hairstylist told you like you got to wear a mask while you do your hair and you were like no i'm not going to do that then your hairstylist has every right to say like okay, well, then you have to go somewhere else because I will lose my license <laughs> yeah. if you don't follow the rules and I still work on you. Like, these, this has consequences that are bigger than you and, like, your big day. Exactly. Like, I would think if I was getting married, I don't know if I would do it in a pandemic. I'm glad that I already got married. I mean, no shade to people who decide to get married. I mean, this year, which I think some, obviously people are. But hopefully I'm hoping that people are doing it in a modified way that is safe and makes sense. Um, like I like to say like no risk, do, low risk does not mean no risk for COVID. Right. But um, it would be kind of cool to be like, okay, we're all wearing masks in this picture. Like let's, you know, it's like a time capsule thing. Not, I'm not making light of COVID, but I'm just kind of like this no, whole thing is very historical. And I feel like everything we do during this time is kind of very like, 
like people are going to read about this and yeah. I've lived through it. You've lived through it. We're going to have memories and, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to see and look back on these pictures and be like, oh, yeah, like so-and-so got married during the pandemic and look, they're all wearing masks. Like, Yep, that's what we had to do at the time. So with that topic of COVID, I like to do a segment called COVID Catch-Up. I like to ask my guests, what have you been doing to cope with the pandemic and what tips you have for that? for this situation that we're in? So I sort of just through the random circumstances of life, I feel a little bit, I feel lucky because before all of this happened, like last year, I started doing some like big personal growth, like work and got into some therapy that was very much needed. Yes, nice. um, and so I... I know you and I have talked about the importance of therapy, therapy a million times. Yeah, I'm all about Very it. pro therapy. <laughs> um, and so I started working with um, a behavioral coach. She doesn't, she didn't like it when I called her a therapist because she's not a therapist. Okay. Um, but I, I also don't like the term life coach. Um, oh, and I, she wasn't coach. a life coach. Like a... Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why my mind goes to like, was that the Pavlov? effect where you like you ring yeah. the bell and then the dog like starts drooling and like sort of <laughs> like what what is that I'm very not... much that yeah, um cool. so in in my particular circumstance and this is entirely unrelated and i could do a whole podcast on yeah. it but um last year i sort of came to the i sort of figured out that i had an eating disorder that i'd lived with for my entire life that i literally didn't realize existed mm -hmm. like i didn't i didn't realize that other people didn't relate to food the way that I did and do. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, everyone does this. And like, <laughs> I think it's also, it's really prevalent, I think, amongst our, uh, like, my friends and our generation to be like, oh, last night I ate like an asshole and I had a whole pizza to myself. And like, it's a thing we all do. And it's not that it isn't real. And, you know, a lot of us do eat like trash all the time. But like, I assume that other people were also like secretly eating after their husbands oh went God, to bed. You secret eat too. Um, I... Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm not alone. We can have a whole. We can have a whole talk about that. Um, but long story short, when I realized that this was a thing that I was experiencing, mm -hmm. uh, I reached out to this coach, and she's incredible. And we did a lot of like really deep digging on you know, why I behave this way and why I relate to food this way. And it really branched out into a ton of other behaviors mm -hmm. that I have. Um, and it really, like in just a six month period of working with her, it changed my relationship to food and the people around me and my family. And it, it really created some huge changes, you know, in my whole life. And so by the time the pandemic hit, like I... I had already done all of this work to kind of center myself. Nice. And so I feel really, really grateful that things lined up the way they did timing wise. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I feel like if sort of the pandemic hit and I was not emotionally prepared for more trauma, um, that I probably would have just like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't mean eat, to laugh. I'm sorry. I would have eaten pizza rolls until I maybe died. Are I'd, you me? Like... I had yeah, pizza rolls uh, night and like one of the morning. <laughs> I, I love burned pizza rolls. my tongue and the roof of my mouth. Um, 
they make a fine product there at Totino's. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, love, I love a pizza roll. Um, you should ask them to sponsor. I, I, but I uh, it's uh, so I, I had done all of this work already. So I felt, you know, when the time came to just sort of like sit with my thoughts for six months, <laughs> it was actually really lucky that I had already kind of started other ideas about like, how to occupy my time and what to do when you have to sit with your feelings for a long time. So um, what do you have and... to do if you like one thing that you have to do if you have to sit with your feelings? Is that something I'm trying to like if I feel a certain way and something's come upon me, like I remembered something, I initially you just want to like push it away. So what I'm trying to do too is like sit with it. So like how do you start to sit with it, sit with it? That was actually that was something that I had to work on. I remember telling the my coach that I was working with that like I could never just like go and walk the dogs without like listening to music or a podcast because the amount of time that it would require me to be like alone quietly with my thoughts without the distraction of like a screen or oh. whatever else like I was very much worried about what that where that would go and like where my thoughts would go um and so I really had to work on kind of fighting through that and just taking those thoughts to their logical conclusions of like, well, what am I afraid to be thinking about? And mm -hmm. what is that thing? And why am I afraid of it? Yeah. And if I think about it, I kind of have to just like force myself to go to the next step and the next step and the next step. And it turns out that like one of my huge issues is that like I have these fears and anxieties over things that are like patently false or that disprove themselves in my life all the time. Like if I think about, you know, whether or not my friends want to hear from me mm -hmm. or, you know, whether or not I should be more social and that I have this fear of like people not wanting to hear from me or, you know, not wanting to be my friends or everyone secretly hates me. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, like we're the and, same person. I mean, really, when you like, when you think about those things all the way to the end of like, well, what if, what if this person doesn't want to hear from me? And what does that mean? And what if nobody wants to hear from me? And like, yeah, it's I, like ultimately, like, I'm afraid of dying alone. <laughs> and like, yeah. you know, when I think about it, all, all the way to the end, it comes to a place where it's actually less scary, because I'm like, well, that's not true. Like, people do want to be my friend, because I have like i do have friends yeah it's like you, de you start um, to debunk your own like yeah. what you believe to be true even though it's not the truth yeah um yeah it's, it's it's really scary to have these unanswered questions and sometimes the scariest part is like having to actually ask the question yeah. <laughs> um this is another like fully like down a completely other rabbit hole that's really dark but i remember my the woman who i was working with we had been working together for a couple of months and she was like, do you think your husband is happy in your relationship? And I was like, how what? dare you? Like, so invasive. I'm not allowed to, like, I'm not allowed to ask that question. Like, <laughs> so you're not allowed to ask that question. Yeah. And then when I had to like sit with it, I was like, of course he's not happy in our relationship because I'm trash. Oh. And then <laughs> when you kind of like pull all those things apart and then actually having to like ask the question, like going to my husband and be like, are you happy in our relationship? And him being like, yeah oh well shit <laughs> well, that's why we're married no, I'm just oh all right then then we're good this isn't scary anymore so 
so I guess that's my pandemic. So it sounds like. <laughs> so it sounds like you were lucky enough to kind of have been doing this prep work and self-improvement. And what you you what you learned from that was just kind of sitting with your feelings during this time of, of the pandemic and just breaking it down, like asking yourself why. Yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the anxieties that I had at least were related to like being afraid to ask myself questions and afraid to dig deep on things because the answers seems like they would be bigger than I could handle and but like, it really in it's the like end not... none of it was yeah. like I didn't come across anything that was like you know the finding out that I had an eating disorder felt like this humongous thing and then on the other side of it it was like if I'm kind of just nice to myself and like forgive myself for doing things that I didn't know I was doing or that like eventually I did know I was doing, but I knew why I was doing it was like, well, like I don't need additional shame on top of a thing that is bad for me. Yeah. Like the shame and the anxiety and all of those additional negative feelings are so unnecessary. And like the torture that you put yourself through in addition to having a regular ass problem is like, it's so uncalled for. Like we all just need to be nice, nicer to ourselves. So just be nice to ourselves, right? Very that. Yeah. I totally can relate. Like everything you've said, I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I probably have had or still do have an eating disorder myself. Okay. That's what I, we're going I have to. a phone number for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I don't uh. mean to laugh about stuff, but I, like for me it's like you, you, you have, have to laugh to. yeah you have to like laugh at yourself sometimes like that's how I kind of get through to certain things it's like making fun of myself and I, I appreciate that you, you're talking about like mental health and all of that stuff because I really do like to touch on that um, during this podcast because it's it was a huge important thing for me and I just felt like because people shared stories with me about their mental health it helped me get better in so many ways so I really appreciate you talking about all of that, especially because it's so relatable. Like I can relate to that 100%. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, especially with the eating disorder thing, I think so many people relate to not specifically having binge eating disorder, which is what I am dealing with. Mm -hmm. But like, I think a lot of us have disordered eating in some way or another. Or like, like we an all are rel relationship with no, food. We're relating way. to food or we're, you know, we're feeding something else that isn't hunger all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's super relatable, like everyone eats yeah. <laughs> and a lot of us have issues with that. And if not food, like, you know, everyone has issues with something. Yeah, that's totally true. And I especially like that you're, you're a guy and you're talking about therapy because I feel like, and not to like blanket statement men, but like it feels like a lot of men tend to not, it's like a stigma almost. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, absolutely. It's I think men are held to a different standard when it comes to having emotions and talking about your emotions. Like I feel you know, kind of lucky in the gay community and like a man who grew up with all female friends and like being used to being around people who talked about their feelings. I think I sort of had an advantage there. Mm -hmm. But still, like, you know, there are double standards and there are, you know, different societal norms for how men are supposed to behave or supposed to react or deal with their feelings. For sure. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been super hard. It's been a ton of work, um, but also really rewarding. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing that for the 
COVID catch up. What advice do you have for makeup artists or beauty professionals? Um, just something that can make their careers better or easier on them? It's hard. I feel like things have changed so much since I got into the industry. Um, you know, at the beginning, like I got hired, like sort of off the street kind of situation. <laughs> like my specific entry into the industry was real weird. I, like had a friend who worked at uh, a at a clothing store and she got sort of secret shopped by a woman who worked in the industry who then offered her a job interview to work at a makeup counter. And then like, I went with her to her job interview, which seems like the craziest, like, <laughs> like just out of high school thing to yeah. do. Like, Oh, my friend has a job interview. So I'll go with, and she was, and you know, I met this woman and she was like, you're an, like enthusiastic young homosexual. Like <laughs> you should work here too. Um, <laughs> And I thank her every day for the past 15 years. Yeah. Um, but getting into it, I think, I think my advice would be to expand your, your base of knowledge outside of wherever it is that you're getting your beauty information from. I think there are so many young people who are, drawn to the industry because of their experience with YouTube makeup tutorials mm -hmm. or Instagram and social media has made it very accessible, but it's also made it really difficult for people to understand what it is that you need to be doing as a makeup artist and really what your job is. Um, there are so many people who have only ever done makeup on themselves and want to be a makeup artist, but doing makeup on yourself is a completely different skill than doing makeup on other people. Exactly. I do. I do far better makeup on other people than I could ever do on myself. Yeah, me too. Um, but, you know, I started out by doing makeup on other people. And so I think just expanding your horizons and expanding where you're getting your information from um, mm -hmm. is really helpful to, you know, see different sides of the industry and see different art forms and different versions of what this thing could be. Um, there's so much amazing, super, super artistic talent that happens on social media, but unfortunately it's largely a skill that doesn't translate outside of social media because you would, you really shouldn't be doing the type of makeup that you would do for Instagram on human people yeah. most of the time. Um, it's a very different skill set that doesn't translate to being in person. That um, makes sense. Which I have a million thoughts on, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, Same. but yeah, it really like, you know, hone your skill, but also expand your skill set. Yeah, and be um, a little open you know, to it. Try to learn different things, and you know, I feel super grateful to everyone who taught me everything that I learned in my first five years in the industry. I was really successful in sales and I felt like I took to makeup very naturally and I felt like, Oh, I'm a total natural pro at this. Like, and I'm also an amazing makeup artist. Yeah. And then five years in, I moved to another major city where you know, just like the median skill set of other artists was 10 times better than anything I had ever done. Mm -hmm. And when I look back at what I was doing in my early career, I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's no blending, there's no eyebrows. Um, and so, you know, being open to learning new things. I'm, I'm so grateful to all of the super talented artists who I've had the chance to work with over the years and just 
you know, I, all of my talent is a credit to people far more talented than I am. Um, yeah. So sounds like getting your information and kind of your skills from different sources and yeah. in turn you will kind of create your own skill based yeah, off of that. It's like a catalog. Yeah, definitely. And what advice do you have for clients? So either something, it could be a piece of advice for them to be better clients or something that you want them to know that they may not know about the industry or about being a makeup artist. I think it's really hard for people to understand something that they haven't done themselves. I like I worked in restaurants before I worked in makeup and like you don't know what that job is like until you've done it. Yeah. And I think there's so many people who have not it, because most people are not makeup artists. There's so many people who don't understand what the deal is with getting your makeup done. So I don't know. I think as as a customer, people just need to be like, people really need to adjust their expectations. Like mm, that's a good one. what, like what you are getting out of this is really directly related to what you're putting into it in a very real monetary way. Like if you are not spending money on the makeover that you are getting, then you cannot expect a makeover that looks like it costs a lot of money, especially in a retail setting. Like you're, your artists have sales goals every single day. And mm -hmm. if you want a like full Kim K beat that takes 90 minutes to do, like you are robbing that person of an hour and a half of their time that they use to sell things to other people. Yeah. So, you know, it's unfortunate. Like I think everyone deserves to be, you know, pampered and have that experience of feeling beautiful. And I, I love that. Like I love giving that to a client. Yeah. I love that transformation and that's what draws me to makeup all the time is being able to give this thing to people. But in a retail setting, like you have to pay for that. And outside of a retail setting, you also have to pay for that. Yeah. Like if you want me to make you look and feel incredible, like that, that's why my services are not free. Yeah. And people um, don't realize too, it's not just you're paying for the service if you're a freelancer or um, have your own business that money goes also towards your supplies, your kit, like a mascara doesn't grow on trees. You can't cultivate yeah. that in your backyard. You need to buy your own product. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's the same with every other aspect of beauty. Mm -hmm. Like if you want your nails like trimmed short and painted one color, that is a generally a pretty affordable service. Yeah. If you want a two inch acrylic with like, you know, <laughs> glitter gel and, you know, mirrors and flowers and whatever people get done. Like, you know, there's a reason people spend $200 on manicures because they have nails that look like you spent $200 on them. Yeah. <laughs> same thing with your hair color. <laughs> like these things are expensive. They take time and they take decades of experience on the part of your artist to give you that. So like the, the assumption that that thing can or should be free is just sort of beyond me. Um, <laughs> so, nothing's free. <laughs> nothing is free. Oh my gosh. Well, I guess that wraps up our episode. Um, oh wait, no, it doesn't. One last thing. <laughs> um, tell everyone the 20 people who listen to the show. I'm just kidding. Um, 
Tell everyone. Well, now my mom will listen because I told oh, her. Oh, yay. Yay, mom. Only two people. <laughs> or did you say 20? I don't know. Yeah. She's only one person. Um, where can we? I'll find at least one more other person to listen to. Okay. Deal. Uh, where, where can we? Also, I listen to your podcast. Yeah, thanks. Which it's nice that you do. Is obviously, I know you, but, um, you know, I, I also feel like, you know, no one who knows me is obligated to listen to this show. Like, fair enough. Totally fine. Like, just <laughs> no, I'm so happy that you're doing it. It's, it's fun. It was a quarantine project, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, if not now, then when? So I love it. Um, where can we find you on, I guess, what, Instagram? Yeah. So I am on Instagram. My handle is at Austin Mark M U A Austin like Texas Mark like the man's first name with a K and M U A like makeup artist. Okay. Um, so that's my Instagram. Um, yeah, you can find me there, and from there you can find anything else. I, I yes, I definitely have a Facebook page <laughs> that's associated with that Instagram, uh-huh. um, but I unfortunately did not. Uh, think to have a Facebook page before I got all my followers and they did not carry over. So no one ever looks at my Facebook page. Um, <laughs> but I do have, I do have a decent Instagram. Okay. Um, that needs some updating. I haven't put anything up there in a long Social time. Social media is evil anyway. It's fine. It truly is. Um, but yeah, I'm on Instagram um, and you can see my work there. Cool. And thank you for coming on and talking to me about all the horrors that you've experienced 